Welcome to this late hour. A look at the world through the lens of scripture. I'm your host, Casey Knowlton. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Today we'll be listening to the second part of my two-part interview with Andrew Jones of Discovered Media. After the interview, along with summarizing the points of evidence given over the last two episodes, I will also be briefly responding to a video I saw recently related to the work being done at the Drupinar site. With that, let us jump right back into the interview with Andrew Jones of Discovered Media. Okay, well, those, those are pretty good, uh, pretty strong points of evidence. So let me make sure I can, I have them all. I'm going to review them with you here. So we have the, the, the shape is in the, the, the correct region. If we look at the biblical text, mm-hmm. it is uh, to the same length of the Egyptian cubit, the 515 feet, uh, yep. as in the biblical record. Uh, there were the scans that show the different deck layers potentially the three different decks of the ship mm-hmm. that were done. There's the signs of metal on the formation. Correct. And then there's the GPR, which shows the shape yeah. continues under the ground. I have to be honest. I did see one of the videos you did uh, where you take the image and kind of show how it continues under the ground. You know, for me, that was one of the strongest points of evidence I've seen for that site uh, because you know, we often hear critics talking about this being just a formation. It seems to me if <laughs> this was just a formation, it would just be a random. It would be very random underneath the formation. Uh, and then you would not see a continuation of the shape. Those scans, I, I find those just breathtaking. They're, they're incredible. That's been, that was some great work that was done with those GPR scans. Yeah, uh, so there are two scans that are most recently done. Now, Ron did GPR back in the 80s, but uh, you know it was analog back then, so it was printed out on um, thermal paper. Uh, but uh, the, you know, with the newer technology, it's all computerized and digitized now. Uh, so the 2014 scans, uh, one of the famous things that came out of that, when Larson released uh, the 3D images later on, I think he released it in 2018, um, was this hall shape that was below the ground. And, uh, and definitely that showed uh, something that uh, was more than just a random pile of rock there. Uh, and then in 2019, when they did the GPR, um, th- what that was shown, at, especially at the eight foot level, and then again at the 20 foot level in different parts of the, the boat formation were these angular um, lines, angular structures that could possibly be rooms um, and so as the one archaeologist in America who reviewed the data, who, who was not a part of our team, but, you know, we hired to look at it all. Um, and he was an expert with, for GPR and archaeology. He said if he was going to do an excavation, he would focus on these areas because usually in nature, you don't see angular structures uh, in a pattern like that. And um, so then also on the, uh, on the other side of the boat, so that was like the western side, on the eastern side at the eight foot level that we started to see uh, parallel lines. Uh, again, things that um, 
you don't usually find in nature. Now, obviously, excavation would show what it what it is, but uh, it's just more evidence that it just cannot be a big blob of rock or a random pile of uh, boulders and mud coming down from the mountain there. Yeah, and you and you hear that a lot from critics. I mean, how, even within the church, uh, a lot of big names of people who would support a literal Genesis, uh, Noah's Ark being real in that region. In fact, they would agree even to the fact that, you know, it did not land on mountain Ararat, but in the mountains of Ararat in the region, uh, have just kind of brushed over this formation, uh, kind of that pattern I talked about. It comes up in the news and it's dismissed. How do you respond to that criticism of, oh, these are, you know, it's just a formation, a geological formation. And in fact, there's other geological formations just like it in the area. Uh, yeah, so uh, obviously you, uh, you have basically two possibilities. It's natural or it's man-made, and then you have to go from there. Now, those who say it's natural, uh, they have to explain the, the boat shape. And so one uh, reason they give is that they say it's a, a, a rock there, something that's sitting on the side of the mountain. And then as the mud flowed around it, as the earth went around it, it formed this uh, boat shape. Uh, and so when you look at that, though, there's a problem. So the last like science journal article that was published in a peer-reviewed journal, it was a Turkish geologist, and this person made the claim that, I don't even know if they went out to the boat, but they, they made the claim that this was a solid block of limestone and that it, if it moved down from uh, higher up on the mountainside and then it came to its current spot and then over uh, time, I don't, I don't know if he even gave the time, but you know, being an evolutionist, I'm sure you would say millions of years or maybe hundreds of thousands of years. But he said over time, a glacier carved uh, this boat formation. But uh, so his key claim, though, is that this is a solid block of rock that's sitting there. And so then a glacier came along and you know, carved it up. Uh, yet this and this article is written in uh, two, 2007. And so this was seven years before the resistivity work was done, which was the first time that was ever used on the, uh, the boat formation. And then this was, uh, you know, uh, 12 years before our latest GPR work. And so he had not, he had no access to that data. Um, and his article never even mentioned the previous older geophysical surveys done by Ron Wyatt, Dr. John Baumgartner. He just ignored all that and just made up, you know, he wrote up this article uh, talking about what he thought the whole thing was. And so uh, these geophysical surveys, they show that it's not a solid block of limestone. Uh, so again, you then have to explain, well, how, what's keeping this shape together over all these years and multiple earthquakes and whatever, that you still got a boat formation there. If it's not a solid uh, block of rock, then what is it? Um, so another critic would say, well, it's just, it is a rock there, but not, maybe not a solid block, but as the mud flowed around it, um, you got this boat formation formed and then they point to some formations over like on Mount Ararat. Uh, that look similar. Well, when you take a closer look at those formations, um, in fact, someone sent me a Google Earth file that I loaded up and it had like pointed out every single spot in Ararat. And they say, hey, this is the, just like the Durupanar uh, Noah's Ark site. But the, the problem is, uh, and, I, and I, they would have to, you know, to, your audience will have to visualize this, but when uh, a mud or liquid flows around uh, an obstruction, the, the downhill end that it, uh, that forms is pointed. So it's the fluid dynamics as the water or mud or liquid is going around like a rock sitting in, in a stream or, a, or in, a, in this like mud flow where we have on the side of the mountain here. 
the downhill end is pointed and the material uh, uh, above the uh, higher up in the mountain um, that's um, piling up around the obstruction, like the big rock, is uh, rounded. Well, so that's what you see at Mount Ararat. Uh, you do see uh, formations like that, pretty big ones, a lot larger than uh, the Drepanar site in the 300 Egyptian cubits. But uh, the key difference is the Drepanar site has it backwards. Uh, you have the pointed in uphill. And so then they'll have to explain, well, again, how do you keep this boat formation there? And how do you get the wrong formation being formed if you're claiming that it was formed by um, mud or earth um, flowing around a rock? Uh, you, you have the rounded in downhill on the Drupanar site and the pointed in uphill. So uh, it doesn't match. Um, there's no good geological explanation so far for the, the site's existence and, and for its boat shape uh, uniqueness. So as you've been in the area, you've never seen the mud flow backwards up back the mountain to. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't think that happens anywhere on the earth, <laughs> but maybe in their uh, mind it could, but there's definitely uh, nothing like that around here. Yeah. You know, and I, and I've, you know, one of the things I've thought about in this formation being so such a probable location for Noah's Ark, it's, you know, the fact that you've had, in fact, one of the stories I remember of Ron Wyatt, he had prayed that there would be an earthquake that would reveal more of the ship. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, you know, in a period between when he had left and before he'd come back, there had been an earthquake that had revealed more of the uh, boat shape. And you would expect if this was just some kind of random feature, uh, it wouldn't retain its shape so well. And, Correct. Uh, yeah. And, and, and it has done that, you know, like you've said. Uh, and even just in the in the amount of time we've you know known about it since that photograph was taken in the '60s or '50s uh, until now, you know the more time has gone by, the more pronounced the shape has become versus what do you call it diminished or uh, you know it's it's retained that Degrated, shape. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, correct. Yeah, I mean you do see erosion happening, and one key thing that the the Turks would like to do is um, as part of the study program that they want is to figure out how to preserve it better. I don't know if they'll put a covering over the whole thing, but definitely uh, you do have water coming up coming from above higher up in the mountain. And so this, uh, the moisture plus uh, keeping people and animals off. So you do have a lot of the sheep and shepherds walking on the boat. And then that has um, eroded some of the sides and created trails around the area. And so, yeah, I mean, you do have stuff like that happening. But at the same time, like when a major seismic event happens in the region, like what Ron um, uh, prayed for and saw in the news in the late 1970s, uh, you'd expect, as you said, like the thing would fall apart like everything else around it did, uh, except no, it didn't. It still stayed shaped like a boat. Yeah. And then the scans show the shape continues under the ground. To me, that's very telling evidence uh, of its authenticity. Yeah, I mean, you definitely uh, don't have this random jumble of, uh, of rocks and mud and earth. Uh, when we look at the scans, you have layers and angular features. You have a hull shape. Uh, you um, have parallel lines, you know, suggesting that there's something man-made in the shape of a boat in the mountains of Ararat. Right. Now, 
you've done a lot of work in the surrounding area. In fact, one of your recent videos, you were trying to uh, you get some drone footage um, looking for some hieroglyphics that are carvings that Ron had seen uh, depicting a boat and a dove and eight people, something like that uh, on the Iran side. And so you've had to, if now correct me if I'm wrong, but you've had to kind of with the cooperation of the Turkish mil military, there, kind of do the drone flights trying to find that. So I know you've been doing lots of stuff around the area uh, can you tell the audience some of the other things that you found that are interesting in the surrounding area? Yeah. So, uh, there's a couple of things, um, I can mention today. Uh, number one, we are still uh, working on that, uh, survey up on the border. So Ron in 1984 and then in 1988, um, discovered, uh, um, what they call it a steli, which is like a, a stone monument, um, that was on the Turkish Iranian border, which is like a mile uphill from this boat site and uh this uh steli had uh inscriptions on it um petroglyphs you know carvings mm -hmm. um and he believed they had i think he said two or three different languages um ancient languages uh, including cuneiform and so uh that was his first time he saw it he didn't have a camera then but on his second trip there he uh brought a camera and at that time though which was like four years later i believe the steli was broken up by the Turkish military and the pieces were reused. And these uh, border markers that marks the international border with Iran and Turkey. And so uh, he has some video and photos of these pieces and they show pieces of what he remembered the, uh, the carving show, which is the boat shape, um, uh, uh, two birds, um, parts of a, a mountain ridge and a mountain above the boat. And then, uh, what he remembered from four years before that was that the boat shape had uh, eight faces in it. So it's basically the, the biblical account uh, told in um, rock carving. Um, and so these petroglyphs were up there on the border. So it's been sitting there all these years and we didn't know what happened to it because um, my first tr time trying to get up there was in 2013. And the, we, the military commander at the, at the base at the top uh, he was nice, but he basically told us to go back. You know, we, we weren't able to go out uh, to the border itself. You know, you can understand why, you know, this is right. like a no man's land area. Uh, so, but then in 2019, we got official permit uh, to go with the Turkish archaeologists and a culture, uh, a minister of, of culture and tourism official. And so we went out to the uh, the site and we discovered that that, that the, the main um, border marker is still there. And so, but it was behind barbed wire. So we couldn't get access to the side um, from the Turkish side. We couldn't see the other side that supposedly had the inscriptions or the carvings. And so we left at that. And at that time, the, the commander told us, well, you know, maybe you could fly a drone uh, you know, around it to document all the sides because he said there were mines out there. And so we couldn't um, walk out there, you know, past the barbed wire mm. and blow it up. And so uh, that was in 2019. Then uh, this year, the same archaeologist was able to get permits to fly the drone. First, we went out there with a DSLR camera again, and we went to two or three of the different markers because, you know, Ron had said that it was uh, the original um, ancient monument was broken up and used in a, in a number of these border markers that are spaced like 500 meters apart or something like that. And so we wanted to document as many as we could up along that ridge above the boat formation. And so we took a DSLR camera and the same officials, and we, we were able to at least see the Turkish side. 
Now, one of the markers, though, um, was further away from the barbed wire fence. And now there's a new 20-foot high cement wall that they've built between the two countries. Um, it's on the Turkish side. And so uh, it definitely there's no way for us to get out to s- some of these other markers that were further out. Uh, so uh, 10 days later, I think it was, we got permission to fly a drone. And they let me use my drone. And I was the pilot. And everyone was watching. And so it was um, quite uh, intense. They told me specifically to fly low. Uh, they don't want to go high in the sky for the Iranians to notice on the other side of the border. Uh, they said to only uh, use, uh, only take photos, don't do video work, and only document the stone markers. Don't take photos of any military installation on both sides of the border or any military personnel. And so when my first flight, uh, I had the military commander and a couple of his soldiers and then the um, archaeologist and the other official watching over my shoulder as I'm trying to fly this drone and uh, hoping I don't crash it in Iran or they shoot at it or, you know, cause an international incident. Uh, but we, everything was great. We were able to uh, document everything. But what we discovered was that uh, uh, the recent cement repair work has covered up many of the stones uh, versus what you see in the old Ron White photographs. So now we, we put in a, a request to take down the, all the stone markers. <laughs> so this, when we flew the drone, like when we left the region after that, the archaeologist came up to me and told me that you know, this is a very special request. You know, no one has ever done that before. And we were, in fact, flying the drone somewhat into Iranian territory because on the other side of these markers, that is Iran. The, the markers are sitting exactly on the line. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you're in a military zone with Turkey, too, and you're at a military base. And so it was a very special request that got approved uh, all the way up. Uh, and so now they're, they put in a request to uh, take down the stones. And so we can then take off the, uh, the cement and study all the sides, including the inside, uh, you know, all, you know, four or five, six sides of, you know, every, every edge of the, um, the, the stones that make up the markers, because um, some of them are turned inward for where the inscription would be. And so that's another special request that we're asking them to basically take down their border markers and uh, put up new ones. And just for um, our benefit of studying it for um, their archaeology here. And so uh, we believe it will happen. Uh, it hasn't happened yet, but uh, hopefully within the next couple of weeks, uh, that will be something that will occur and we'll have another update to give. Uh, and so that's uh, so that was the one big thing was looking for these inscriptions that talk about Noah's Ark. Uh, the, the, the final point I'll make about what we found in the area, uh, there are fossils scattered um, higher up above the Ark. You have fossilized coral. There's this ridge, a, a limestone rock above the uh, boat formation. And at the base, uh, you find fossilized coral. Uh, so this is, you know, shallow seawater creatures. Uh, and then um, just like less than a mile away, or maybe a mile away uh, to the east, uh, over the, one of the hills, you find this whole layer of um, seashells and sand dollars. Uh, in fact, that layer continues throughout the whole valley. Uh, again, these are shallow water creatures uh, that were fossilized at the you know, 5,000, 6,000 foot level. Uh, and there's no ocean there right now. Uh, so you have more evidence that the area was covered uh, by a salt water, uh, by a sea that uh, it later was destroyed. In fact, some of the fossils are not even fossilized. Like you find these sand, uh, the seashells, I mean, and you still see the, se- the seashell. They're embedded in sedimentary rock, but the shell is still there. It's not turned to, you know, it hasn't been petrified or turned to stone. And so it's quite fascinating. 
But uh, again, this is evidence that uh, the area was covered by water at one point. I think a key p- uh, piece of evidence for those who are uh, looking for a, a, a worldwide flood. Yeah. Well, and I've also been uh, just very quickly fascinated with um, the potential location of Noah's home that you did a video on that and followed up on Ron's work with that. And then also all the anchor stones, as they're called, that surround the area. Is there anything you can tell us very quickly about either of those two findings? Yeah. Well, um, so about uh, 20 miles away, um, approximately, is a village called um, Arzap or Saglaksuyu. And this village has these big uh, stones with holes in them. And so Ron's theory was that these were um, actually drogue stones, not anchor stones. So uh, the, a drogue stone is a stone that's uh, tied to the sides of a ship to stabilize it, extra weight. Um, and so he uh, theorized that uh, he had, at that time he had found 13 of them, I believe. Um, and since he's uh, passed away, there's been a total of 25 or 26 found um, around there. And I'm sure there's more buried in the earth, you know, as the farmers work the field, they pull out another one. In fact, we found a new one in 2018 that they have some of the farmers in the area had pulled up. It had no crosses on it. It had this, the hole near the top. And so the idea was that they were tied somehow to the boat, um, you know, wrapped around the stone and through the hole and then tied to the ship, uh, the ark. And then um, uh, and the, when the waters were either receding or when he got into this general area, uh, Noah had some type of method to release the stones because he didn't need to stabilize the ship anymore. Um, and so that, that's uh, all found in that village there. Now, right on the outskirts of the same village is a ruined house. Um, and, and he found in front of this house two large um, gravestones. Uh, they don't have holes in them, so they were not anchor stones or drogue stones. But these uh, um, uh, gravestones had an ancient inscription on it, uh, you know, petroglyphs. Uh, so it showed uh, eight people all lined up. Uh, two were uh, the largest figures, like the most important ones, um, were at the end. And then above them, it had a rainbow uh, shape and a sea wave with a boat on top of the crest of the sea, the, the wave. And um, on the one stone, it had the, fem- the tallest female. Um, figure eyes were closed and then the other both the male and, and female figure were closed and so Ron uh, you know logically put it together that hey maybe these are the gravestones of Noah and his wife um, so that was kind of an important uh, discovery that he had made in the late 70s now sadly he wrote about all this in a little booklet that he had self-published and gave out to a bunch of arc hunters in the early 80s and one of them quite a scammer. Uh, this guy went and hired a local for a couple hundred dollars and they dug up one of the graves. Um, and so this local though was able to describe to authorities because he get, the local got caught. The other guy did not. But uh, the local said that they dug up an 18 foot uh, long uh, sarcophagus and inside were huge bones and a lot of jewelry. Um, hmm. In fact, uh, the um, on the black market, uh, a piece of jewelry hit at the same time that was worth like $100 million or $75 million. Ron, Ron wrote about this in his Noah's Ark book. And so there's definitely um, whoever was buried in that, that grave was a tall individual with a lot of uh, wealth. And, um, and this is, you know, right, you know, 20 miles away from the boat formation. 
And so you could see uh, maybe Noah stuck around this region while everyone else spread out. Um, and so there, there's still one grave there. And we have asked the Turks to scan. It's never been scanned, that site. And so when I say scan, I mean like ground penetrating radar. Right. And so we can find that other um, sarcophagus if, you, if, if Noah was buried in a similar one like his wife, you know, if, if that is Noah's grave. Um, and so we hope uh, this year um, when they do scan the boat formation again, to take some of that same technology and use it at this um, ruined house site that's outside of this village where all these uh, uh, drogue stones are. Yeah, that would be fa- fascinating if, if uh, that could happen because that would really put to rest a lot of that uh, speculation. And yeah, right now it's you know Ron's story. We have some really old grainy videos uh, of the stone markers still there. Now there's nothing there, and you just see it. Uh, a large trench that's, you know, even after all these years, there's still a trench, a depression in the soil where they dug up her, you know, one of the graves. And so uh, there's this, when they dug up that one grave, they also broke up the uh, gravestone, the headstones. And so there's this no no piece of evidence left around, sadly. And they also destroyed the house, this old building that was there, like, uh, it had pretty high uh, stone walls still, and it was all collapsed in and, and, all the rooms were kind of dug up, people looking for treasure. Uh, you do see a couple large holes in the area still because the villagers, um, you know, they, they, they think, hey, well, one guy found some treasure. There must be some more there. So they're looking all over. Thankfully, they haven't found the other uh, uh, grave site that hopefully would, would still be there. That would be Noah's. Well, and then uh, with all these drogue stones, um, it's, you know, it seems clear that the early Christians were marking these up with the crosses. Uh, out of some kind of reverence or understanding that uh, they pointed towards something of importance. Is that right? Yeah, you you do find some that have like eight crosses. So kind of going with the story of the uh, eight people on the ark. um, And these are Armenian Christians. So um, people have to understand that the the symbol of the cross being used for like Christian, uh, Christian religious symbol obviously was much later after the actual events of the flood and the, and the events in the Old Testament. So, uh, but you do find stones though with holes with no crosses, especially some of the newer ones that are just being dug up out of the earth. Uh, so uh, some critics will say, ah, oh, these are just Armenian gravestones. Well, yes, they, they did reuse the stones in their graves because they're nice, big, flat stones. And so they did put crosses on them and some of them have, uh, they ate, um, but not all of them are like that. And so you can't assume that then these are all just gravestones because there's, you know, 26 of them so far found scattered throughout the whole region and not just in the old graveyard that's in the middle of the village right now. So what are the next steps of discovery that are needed for the ARC site? Um, well, if the funds are available, uh, that's kind of what we're focused on now. We're partnered with the Turkish scientists. And so they have their plan in place to, um, do further work on the ark, and we're the uh, fundraiser partner for them. But basically, what the Turks would like to do is get their own complete um, geophysical and geological data. Uh, so what that means is, you know, some people will say, "Well, why are you going to scan the ark again? Didn't Ron White scan it, or you know, didn't you guys scan it, you know, three years ago, or uh, whatever?" But what the Turks uh, have told us is that you know this was all private stuff, either done way you know thirty years ago, or stuff uh, that they don't have access to. Um, and, and as most scientists uh, would like, they'd like to get their own data that they could say that, you know, they controlled the machine, they got the data, they can then vouch for it. And so, yes, they're going to do uh, radar again. 
They're going to do ERT, uh, magnetometry. Um, and then what would be new is a, a core drill survey of the whole site. Now, there were some core drilling done on this site in 1988, uh, but it was only, uh, they only got three good cores out of that. Um, and, and they didn't find anything interesting. But uh, if you look at a 515 foot long site and their cores are about three inches wide, uh, you know, that was not <laughs> something right. you, you could expect them not to extensive. make a discovery like hit. Yeah, like hit Noah's bed or something. Uh, but they did find some interesting data. Like they they found uh, they found some type of iron mineral that could be a, a sign of uh, you know decayed uh, or oxidized iron. But at any rate, though, they only did three that were good. Um, and so a uh, complete for uh, an archaeological site that size, you need to do a lot more. And so the uh, Turks would like to uh, do that at this site, and hopefully that will show without doing an, uh, an excavation that would show what some of these layers are that we're seeing in the GPR that we're seeing in the ERT scans. Um, and, and then they could drill down into that and pull up these core samples and, you know, test them and study them. So that's part of the plan uh, right now is to uh, do that work this summer, hopefully uh, then that will enable them to study it over the winter and then decide from there, what's the best course after that. And not only preserving the site, but maybe we can um, do a small-scale excavation that would uncover um, an area that shows some of these angular structures, you know, that we see in the scans uh, that we can then expose um, to the the public and to the scientists so they can study it um, and look at it in person. And so, yeah, that would kind of like validate the scans themselves, you know. In a scan, you'll see a layer, you know, is that a rock layer? Is that a different type of earth? Or is that a layer of petrified wood? You know, what is it? Right. And so. Um, you kind of need to ground truth it and you know, dig down in there. And so that's the plan right now. That's what we're kind of focused in on is uh, fundraising for the Turkish scientists to do this work. How much uh, support do you need in order to, to uh, proceed on these things? Well, so they have a phase one plan uh, listed on the website. Uh, and I can mention it now. Uh, you can go to noahsarkscans.com, noahsarkscans. Um, and in their, uh, the webpage that shows the budget, uh, a phase one, which includes bringing out the scientists from the different universities in Turkey and them working about, you know, two weeks, 14 days on site. Uh, they're looking at about 56 or $55,000, um, half of that budget. So about 6,000 of that is, um, uh, travel expenses and, um, car rentals and, and hotels and food. But the rest of that, you divide it in half, so about 20-some thousand um, goes towards the geophysical surveys uh, that they want to do with the different types of skins. Mm-hmm. And then the other half goes to the geological surveys uh, or geological studies, which includes the core drilling. Um, and so that's uh, – and they're willing to do it in stages too. So uh, that's why we're just trying to hit uh, like twenty five to 30,000 goal uh, that will at least get them started on their work. And then fundraise as they work because, you know, obviously when they're out there on the site working, we'll be uh, filming it and um, doing the interviews and um, then putting them out on uh, social media and YouTube and and showing it as it's being done. And that will hopefully get people excited to donate the rest that's needed, that's listed on the budget on the website. So one of the interesting things, you know, we've had many, many of these treasured sites that have been rediscovered in the last few decades and seem to continue to be. Uh, you know, more opened up for people. 
why do you think God is allowing these places and artifacts to be uncovered now and in such an, an accessible way? Well, you know, uh, let's say the, for example, the Mount Sinai site, let's say that site or Noah's Ark, let's say it was known to the world for thousands of years, um, the exact spot, as we know, just like from the grave site at this little village, how it, when once it was found, the, the headstones were found within a couple of years, it was robbed and destroyed, sadly. So I think God has preserved these sites. Um, and, and some of these sites are pretty, um, you know, for most of the time, it's been in remote areas like, you know, the mountains of Ararat, Eastern Turkey, or the land of Midian in Arabia, a closed country for, uh, you know, until a couple of years ago. And so it, it, uh, he has preserved them until now, because now we have not just the technology to test it and to study it, but now you have the internet, satellite TV, and a way to get out the information uh, to the world. Uh, if they were known all this time, they would have been picked apart and um, destroyed and there'd be nothing to show at this key time in Earth's history, these end times, when people, um, there's a lot of unbelief in the biblical account and people need physical evidence that the, these stories occurred. And so, you know, God does not want anyone to perish and he's given everyone a chance to accept salvation and to believe that, the, that his word in the, in the Bible is true. And that, so there'll be no excuse for those who do reject them. And so being a merciful God, I believe he has given us archaeology and, and other scientific tools to use to show people who are the doubting Thomases that need to see that physical proof of these biblical stories. And so, and that's only uh, something that could have uh, been done in the last, you know, hundred years or less, especially like ancient DNA technology and chemistry and, and some of these um, uh, scientific um uh, methods that they use in the labs, you know, they're always improving on it. And so some of this stuff uh, could have only been done recently. And so that's why I believe he is now letting this come out to the public so that they can be tested, these sites, so that people can learn about them on the internet, um, from their homes and from their smartphones, and learn about the truth of the Bible. That's well said. If uh, there are people who just are absolutely intent on wanting to see uh, or be in some of these places uh, in person? Is there a way for them to do that? Yeah, I know now, especially with the pandemic, uh, some are very leery to travel and there's extra hurdles you got to go through. But um, if you, you know, hopefully this will end, but uh, for those who do want to come out over here, we just had, for example, 80 Americans uh, a month and a half or two months ago. And then before that, we had some Germans and um, other nationalities show up. There's always people trickling through the, the Noah's Ark area. But um, if they want to come out on a tour here, uh, we do uh, three and five day tours and you, know, you can check out the itinerary listed on the website, but they can go to the noahsarkscans.com website and on the menu, it says tours. They click that, it will redirect them to our tour website. And from there, they can pick uh, which tour they want to see the itinerary and the pricing and the dates. And they can even contact us if they want a private tour. We, also, we do those. So if you're already in the region, you just want to show up. Um, and I've even done it for free. I can give you a lecture on the site if you just happen to be coming through. Uh, so it's not about the money. It's more about getting the word out. Um, so yeah, they, they can do it that way. Uh, and then for Mount Sinai and the Exodus tours that we offer, uh, you can go to discoveredsinai.com. And again, uh, the menu at the top, there's a, a tours uh, link there. You click that and you can 
either to click on the Saudi Arabian uh, Mount Sinai tour or the ancient Egypt Exodus route tour. And we do have uh, winter and fa uh, fall and winter tours coming up. And so, yeah, th th those are ways that they can go um, via uh, uh, the, the, the longest is a five day tour. Now, if they're living in the area or uh, want to do something on their own or they want a private tour, they can just contact me. I can tell them how they can get to the sites themselves or we can arrange something where I'm around and can give them lectures on the site. Fantastic. Now, so NoahsArcScans.com, is that right? Uh, S-C-A-N-S. NoahsArcScans.com and then DiscoveredSinai.com. Okay. And so... The, the work specifically in order to support uh, the continued work on the Noah's Ark site is at the Noah's Ark scans. Is that correct? That's correct. That has the methods they can donate, the, the project details, the uh, budget details, the timeline, um, all sorts of, and we even have documents from previous research pro and against the, the site being Noah's Ark, you know, from different scientists and other researchers we have information about Mount Ararat on there. For those who think it's up there, we try to convince them that that's a stratovolcano and there's no way the ark landed up there. So we have a lot of uh, data on this website and it's a, one of our brand new websites and we're always adding more. Uh, we also have the, uh, the report that we just put out about our survey work on the Iranian border where we're looking for the inscriptions up there. And so, yeah, uh, people can keep a track of us there um, and see what we're doing. And then where can they support your ministry just in general? Um, if they were to, uh, if they just want to look us up on like Google, uh, just look up Discovered Media and they'll either take you to different uh, YouTube videos. We have a YouTube channel and then we have an Instagram account where we just post some photos and video clips. And then we have a Facebook group. If you want to join the group and discuss with the couple thousand people who are already on the group, they, if they're on Facebook already, they can join up with our group. And then we have these websites, you know, discoveredsinai.com and noahsarkscans.com. And uh, those are different ways that they can um, look us up. But they look up Discovered Media. That's our name on these different social media platforms. Well, and I'll make sure to include links to all these things in the show description. Uh, so when this post awesome. sometime in the near future, uh, people will be able to just click right through on the podcast to, to find you and your work. Do you have any closing remarks or comments you'd like to make? Let's see. Well, uh, I think if you look around the world today with all the uh, chaos, um, you know, you, there's a lot of hate and violence. And then you see this, you know, the pandemic, the pestilence and uh, definitely political strife. Uh, I think we can agree for those who are believers, especially that we are living in uh, the end times and there's not much time left. And so um, I, I believe that God has given us these archaeological tools to not to strengthen our faith as we're seeing all these this uncertainty around us, but also to help those who are searching for truth and, and want to understand the Bible and um, you know searching for God. So I believe that God has given us these very unique tools to help prove the biblical account and that we can use this to witness the people we come across. And so if you just ask God for that opportunity every day to, to talk to someone or witness to somebody online, uh, he will give it, give it to you. And so and you can use these uh, discoveries to help that person out. Well, Andrew, it has been such an honor and a blessing to have you on here. And I just pray that God would bless all the work you're doing out there. And uh, uh, hopefully you will be no stranger to the show in the near future. And we can talk some more. Yeah, we'll definitely connect again. And um, we'll keep you updated and your audience. 
So uh, just thank you for letting us share about uh, the work. Absolutely. All right, sir. Well, God bless you. God bless. I'd like to thank Andrew Jones once again for coming onto the program and sharing in the exciting work being done on the Drupaner site, as well as other areas of interest. You will find that Andrew's website, noahsarkscans.com, is very good at providing all the research concerning the Drupaner site, including those for and against the site's authenticity. I look forward to speaking with Andrew again about some of the other exciting work going on with Discovered Media, including exploration of the real Mount Sinai. Before we close out the show today, I'd like to briefly respond to some news from the Christian community I saw recently. In the October 6, 2021 report from Answers News, done by the ministry Answers in Genesis, a response was given to one of the articles put out about some of the new work being done on the Drupaner site. As a firm believer in the work that Answers in Genesis, or AIG, does, I was disappointed by the response. Not only did they give the incorrect length of the boat formation, citing 560 feet, but their contentions with the formation are primarily based on a response written in 1992 by Dr. Andrew Snelling. While the arguments against the authenticity of the site by Dr. Snelling are compelling, none of them deal directly with the new data that has been obtained. I think we may be witnessing a case of confirmation bias. In the minds of those at AIG, this matter has already been settled but nothing was really made of the new data, such as the resistivity scans or the GPR work. Lastly, there seemed to be a suggestion of some potentially impure motives. I think we need to be very careful in assigning motives to anyone. Given all the time and money that has gone into continuing work on this location, it's clear that those invested believe that the case for authenticity were only increased through more testing. It is this recent testing that swayed my opinion personally, from the possible to the probable, of this site's authenticity. I think it would be prudent for Answers in Genesis to reevaluate their positions based on the new evidence, as much has happened since 1992. For those suspicious of the claims of Ron Wyatt, simply remove him from the equation and look at the data. Let's review those points of evidence mentioned during both parts of my interview. Number one, the formation is in the correct region of the biblical text, the mountains of Ararat, or the kingdom of Uratu. Number two, the formation is the correct shape, that of a boat. Number three, the boat shape measures to 515 feet, or 300 royal Egyptian cubits, as described in the Bible. Number four, resistivity scans done by John Larson in 2014 show three distinct layers in the formation, which could indicate three deck levels of a ship, just as described in the Bible. When calculated together, these equal the same height given in the biblical text of 30 cubits. Additionally, these scans, when put into a 3D model, show that the whole shape continues under the ground, which I consider a very compelling piece of evidence. Number five, there is a distinct pattern of metal contained within the boat formation not present in the area surrounding it. And lastly, number six, the GPR scans done mapped out angular structures, parallel lines, and those three distinct layers within the boat formation suggesting a man-made object, not a natural formation. Is it mere coincidence that the resistivity scans show three distinct layers with the boat shape continuing under the ground? What could create this whole shape to continue, if merely the cause of the mud flow? 
If the formation was formed by the mud flow, why is it facing the wrong direction of said flow? We can see here plenty of compelling evidence for continuing work on the Drupiner site. I wonder, what are the odds that a giant boat-shaped object matching the length and height of Noah's Ark, its curved shape continuing under the ground and found in the region of the Ararat Mountains, is a coincidence? I hope you enjoyed the second part of this two-part interview today with Andrew Jones of Discovered Media. I've included links to videos related to today's discussion in the show notes, including the Answers News segment just mentioned. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give it a five-star review, along with any favorable comments you have. Check out our Facebook page to leave comments or questions, or on Twitter at Casey Knowlton. You can also email me at thislatehourpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening in today. Stay on the alert, dear Christian. Until next time, God bless. You have been listening to This Late Hour. Your contribution helps pay our fees, improve our equipment, and build better content. It is my hope that your continued support of our show may bring future interviews and exclusives. Our goal is to always be improving our show so that the church may be strengthened in our mission to bring salt and light to this present darkness. May God richly bless you.